1: you this is two guys five movies this is one of your co-hosts chris gasper this is frank bellocoon you were listening to the quick cage and uh frank uh, which
0: movie are you going to tell us about this week uh so tonight we're going to talk about something a film that was something of a surprise to me um not in the fact that i enjoyed it for being a good film but in the fact that i really enjoyed it for how bad it was um but it was kind of nice to get back to that whole like Really perplexingly awful, but laughable, low budget cage. Um, so, we're going to talk about 1993's Deadfall. Um, co starring, well, starring Michael Bean, um, Sarah Trigger, and James Coburn, uh, co starring Nick Cage, Peter Fonda, Charlie Sheen, uh, Talia Shire, and um, Angus Shrim. Um, directed by Christopher Coppola. So, it's truly a Coppola family um, tour de force. um we've talked about the pseudo sequel to this movie in arsenal uh which i think was like 2014 or something like that sometime in the 2010s um right so cage in this movie plays eddie who is the um unhinged henchman for um james coburn's uncle lou character the basic premise of the movie so this is 1993 um and it's obviously ripping off the spade of um neo-noir that were kind of being produced before this but most specifically um the grifters um in a really bad way uh so michael bean is um oh shit what's his name john or something yeah john johnny boy john whatever um him and his father mike are grifters that focus on long cons um so their first long con is basically the long con of that they show in the grifters which is the whole um or you know what it it's more akin to the long con in lost with sawyer's long cons where it's like get someone super involved in the idea of like earning money through this thing Um, Or the grifters, I guess that's another good, you know, the melon, the thing with um, her ex lover or whatever. Um, Then you switch it where like the the police are coming in and the person that's invested the money escapes thinking that someone's died, that they're never going to come back and claim any kind of whatever. So it's the exact same thing as the grifters. Um, So Michael Bean is um, John. He's the son of Mike, who's played by James Coburn. Um John's job is to make sure that the guns have blanks in them so when he pretends to shoot his father and his father pretends to die um no one will actually get hurt um, but during the con um, John shoots Mike with an actual bullet and kills him um, so he has to go on the lam um, so he ends up learning about his Uncle Lou that he had no idea existed who lives on the East Coast um, or the West Coast in California, Los Angeles, whatever. So the final notes that he gets from his father that he gets out of this um, storage locker, basically like Uncle Lou's address and um, to go get this thing from him. So John goes to the West Coast, meets his Uncle Lou, who is the twin of Mike. Um, so also played by James Coburn, um, which I thought was funny after watching the many saints of newark um which kind of does a similar thing where they have really mm-hmm. played two twin brothers and never explaining that they're twin brothers um deadfall does the exact same thing hmm. where uncle lou just shows up and it's james coburn and you're like why the fuck is james coburn right. still in this movie and then they reveal like oh yeah it's twin right. brother. but at <laughs> least you knew that it was a brother at that point anyway right um my, michael bean's reaction to seeing um James Coburn again is hilarious because he just sits in a chair and does this like really exaggerated like hand over his wide open mouth thing like oh but he doesn't make any noise. He just like tilts his head to the side and puts his hand over his mouth and looks up with like these wide eyes. It's super <laughs> over exaggerated and hilarious. <laughs> like when you Michael Bean over exaggerated? No, I know. Well, we'll 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 get to that. <laughs> um, so Lou has Michael Bean worked with Eddie, uh, who's played by Nick Cage um nick cage is 100 unhinged and almost feels like was not being directed at all was just doing whatever he wanted in this movie um because it's constantly just like really weird accents and actually hold on i had to write down the description because as i was watching it i was like it sounds like um sounds like a muppet Wee herman trying to pretend to be a gangster is how he talks. It's like rah, 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 like making noises like that, mm-hmm. and like really wild, like floppy arm. I don't know, exuberant exclamations of like anger or whatever. So, Lou tells Eddie to vet um Joe, John, whatever John. Um, damn, I can't remember the character. It, it, my, Michael,
1: Joe, Joe was yeah,
0: Joe right with the, My bad. So they go out and they perform like almost the exact same like short con grift as what they do in the grifters um, and every other movie ever, which is like, Oh, you know, I lost this thing. It's worth a lot of money. I'll pay you this amount of money for it because the person thinks they're going to get like, anyway, everything that happens, this movie happens in like two seconds. Like there's no setup. It's like, they tell you what's going to happen. And then the thing happens and then there's just like no consequence to that thing so they basically run like this grift on this woman who 10 seconds after michael bean leaves the bar that she's in realizes she's been grifted but like no one ever like gets any comeuppance for those kind of things like it's just whatever so everyone's impressed with michael bean's ability to like grift people or whatever so he becomes like uncle lou's right-hand man and then michael bean starts having sex with eddie's girlfriend um She's played by an actress I'm not familiar with, uh Sarah Trigger.
1: Yeah, it's funny. If you go to try to open up um Sarah Trigger's um uh wiki page, it just takes you to a TV show
0: called Turks. <laughs> I see that now. <laughs> um, so anyway, so her and her and Michael Bean start having sex. Um and they're both like, oh, Eddie can't catch us, but then they don't really do anything to hide it, and they don't stop having sex. Um, so then Eddie So the thing that Joe does to prove his worth is they go to a strip club, um, run by a fat black man named the baby, um, and the baby is called the baby because he likes lollipops, um and Michael Bean is like Eddie is like, Oh, the baby owes us $1,500, but he refuses to pay up. And Michael Bean is like, Leave it to me. I'll get him to pay up. And then Eddie just leaves and goes to the car. And Michael Bean comes out a few minutes later and he's got the money. And like when he walks outside, like the baby shakes hands with him and gives him like dab or whatever. And Eddie's like, Oh my God, you got the baby to pay up. But then like a few scenes later, like Eddie's in the strip club. Um, God, what is, there's this woman stripping and he's like, fuck, I wish I would have written it down. He says something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's summer vacation all day. I can sit here all day, summer vacation, or I don't know, so it's it's really strange. Um, then he the baby comes over and is like, calm the fuck down, you weirdo, or get out of my club. And he's like, hey, you paid us, right? And he's like, no, I didn't pay you that guy just convinced me to come outside with you and said that he would settle my debt if he did and shake his hand and eddie like freaks out and then he starts like using his catchphrase which is like gonna fuck you um let's fuck gonna fuck you we're gonna fuck or something like that like and he screams it and like in the wall so then eddie goes outside um nick cage goes outside and this guy that they showed following um, Michael Bean for the first half of the movie, who's just some dude, um, attacks Eddie, but then Eddie kills him. And there's like no resolution as to who that guy is or why that guy was following uh, Michael Bean. He just was, and now he's dead. Yeah. So Eddie goes to Uncle Lou to kill him. And Michael Bean shows up. Um, so even though. Eddie has the drop on Uncle Lou with a gun and could just shoot him. So Uncle Lou's office is above this really small farmer's market kind of thing. Like it's like an open air market where they have produce and coffee. And like, that's it. There's like two shops and it's like a guy with corn and a lady with coffee. uh, Because like obviously on the set. So there's a place where there's fryers. So for some reason, Eddie takes Uncle Lou down to where the fryers are and turns the grease fryer on full because he's gonna like cook uncle lou or whatever Mm -hmm. so then michael bean comes back and attacks him and they wrestle and michael bean reaches up and like grabs him by his hair um and his toupee comes off like uh what's his name like ralphie or whatever and on the sopranos Mm -hmm. um and eddie freaks out because his toupee got pulled off which allows michael bean to gain control of the fight and he submerges eddie's head in the frying grease and basically cooks Nicholas Cage's face off. <laughs> um, I didn't even think about that, <laughs> um, but that's what happens. Like literally, like, his face is like hooked off. Um, which lends the question, like, how is he in Arsenal? Right, because he's definitely an active character in Arsenal. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I and I'm not going to go back and watch Arsenal. So it's just going to be a mystery, right? Um, but yeah, that part's weird. So. Now, Michael is saved, or now Joe has saved Uncle Lou, and Joe's the only person that can be part of this grift, um, because Uncle Lou is also a grifter. So it's the exact same grift as the one that got his father killed, with the exception of the fact that he has to go and get in good with this guy. Um, And you're going to appreciate this. Um, Dr. Harry Lime, Mm. um, who's this, um, like, world-renowned, like, diamond smuggler or something right so in order to get in with harry lyme he has to play a game of pool against charlie sheen um whose name is something fat scrub or grim grip. or something like grip. That. grip right Fats grip yeah um and the only good performance in this whole movie to be honest with you is the charlie sheen performance for like hmm. five minutes um like it's really the only one that feels like a competent like trained actor performing an actor's work Mm-hmm. um angus shrimp comes close but he still is just like the tall man for the most part but definitely like the best performance of all five minutes that he's in the movie um so eventually michael bean gets taken back to sit in front of uh harry lime um and angus Shrim is basically just dr claw from um inspector gadget mm-hmm. like to the extent that he has like a motorized claw for a hand that makes like noises and he's in like a laboratory kind of okay like an evil villain's lair uh-huh. um where where joe is like oh hey you got these diamonds and he's like this diamond is exquisite we have a deal Aww. um so then uh the setup is basically that there will be one real <laughs> is, diamond is this is this maybe like four hours long that's <laughs> yeah, like 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 90 minutes or okay i'm t- listen i'm telling you there is no setup to anything there's there's an action there's a reaction and then there's no consequence they just move on to the next thing okay like nothing has any setup nothing takes any time to build people just say things and those things happen and then we move on to the next scene like i swear mm-hmm. to god it's the most um like literal movie ever where things are just happening. Okay. And the connection between those things is that you know that the characters that are doing them. Yeah. We'll get to that after I explain this fucking train wreck. Um So Dr. Claw is driving um Joe to the meet because that's the gimmick is that or that's the grift is that he's the inside man and they're going to go somewhere where someone's going to give them diamonds. And they're going to give him $9 million. Um, But the thing is, is that like when they go to make the exchange, Joe, it's going to be his Uncle Lou. That's the guy that has the diamonds. He's going to say, oh, he's wearing a wire. We've been set up. And then he's going to shoot him. And then the fake FBI is going to come in and that's going to make the, you know, the people with the money run away. And then they're all going to get away with money. So it's basically the exact same thing. And the exact same fuck ups occur because Michael Bean can't shoot his uncle Lou because he has a flashback to when he shot his dad and it was supposed to be blanks, but he shot him with a real bullet and killed him. Um, so then his uncle Lou gets killed by like the guys that have real guns. Um, so there's a whole group of people that have real guns, including um fuck, like Mickey Dolans is one of the bad guys. Oh, Mickey
1: Dolans is on the show.
0: Um, so they're shooting like all of the grifters and Michael Bean just runs away with the briefcase full of cash um, and he runs outside and he sees his girlfriend is there like the woman he's been fucking um, played by the woman who's goes to the Turks page mm-hmm. um, and he follows her and they go into this abandoned building and it turns out that his dad was alive and that all the other people P- Peter Fonda is one of the people that was an original grifter all the other people that weren't the script were in on this grift draw alive, and they were long conning Michael bean into joining a long con with his uncle. That was the same long con that led to the presumed death of his father, just so they could finish the long con and get like the $9 million and live happily ever after. Um. So Michael bean ain't having it like he's super pissed. Um. So after everybody gets paid out, He's there with his dad and he pulls a gun on him and makes him get on a Ferris wheel because there's a Ferris wheel there for some reason. Um, And then pretend and then shoots him, but the gun had blanks. And Coburn drops the briefcase with all the money that flies out. And then Michael Bean smirks and walks away. Doesn't take any money. And there's so here's a couple of problems with this movie. First of all, the whole movie is narrated by Michael Bean in what i can only describe as like wonder years narration um where it's just very like i was a grifter at the time and me and my dad would pull these long cons on people it's right. just like the most there's nothing like ed like edgy or noirish about it it just sounds very matter of fact <clears throat> um there's a bunch of really weird inconsistencies in this movie like for instance um when um when when joe's father dies um afterwards peter fonda who's was like the second in command of like the grift um is there and he's like it's your fault joe you should have checked the bullets now your father is right now at at this moment your father's in a box getting buried in a potter's a potter's grave and it's your fault and it's like all right like that's kind of you know like setting up some stakes there or whatever where you can feel guilt over his father Mm -hmm. and they cut and the next scene is i swear to god a legitimate funeral in a real graveyard with his father being lowered in like an actual casket into the ground and i'm like the dude was just like uh, 30 seconds ago he was going into a potter's grave like right it wasn't like a real i don't know i don't know it's and there's all kinds of stuff like that where They'll say that something's going to happen, but then, like, something completely different happens, and no one acknowledges that there was any change. Um, Yeah, Nick Nick Cage's performance is just – the only one I can really compare it to is um, where he plays the gay um, pimp in Sonny. Uh-huh. Um, where he's, like, obviously he's directing himself, so there's no one, like, editing him or censoring him. Right. And I guess because it's his um, his uncle that's filming this movie, or his brother, I don't know oh. who Christopher Coppola is.
1: Christopher is,
0: um... What is a he? Nep- is a nephew? I looked it up earlier, but I don't remember, because it's how it yeah. really mattered. Um,
1: Cousin, I think.
0: But anyways, yeah, it's, so, cousin, it's cousin. Uh,
1: his his father was uh, the brother of Francis Ford. So,
0: so obviously, like being directed by somebody that has no ability to control him, and probably one of the reasons the movie got made was the connection to the family name and the fact that he could get like Talia Shire and um. Oh no, never mind. Plays, Bro- brother, brother, who who plays like no role in this? Really, she's uh, not an entity. But getting Talia Shire and um, you know, Nick Cage to act in it um but just completely unhinged and like his dialogue is so imperceptible that when because you know you and i have talked about the sun. if we were talking about on the podcast um i watch everything with subtitles now
1: mm-hmm.
0: closed captioning on just because yeah. sometimes like i get distracted by work or something distracts me and i like to be able to at least like keep an eye mm-hmm. on this to kind of like keep up with the dialogue and also sometimes, like late at night, I don't want to turn up my volume too loud or whatever. Um, and it's just good to be able to like read along with it, um, just to know that I don't miss anything. Um, and the dialogue can't even come up with them sometimes. It's just like almost imperceptible, or like I don't know. It's it's crazy. Like his his performance in this movie, but hilarious. I mean, like him. Hey baby, we're gonna fuck now. we fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh no, 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 up? like seriously that's like an example of a line of dialogue yeah from him um and wearing the most garish outfits like he's constantly like like going to like an alternative lifestyles prom or something like that (laughs) like bright neon colored jackets with like black cummerbunds and um false front like dress shirts i don't know it's just it's, it's a really weird look and a really weird character
1: i mean mean, he's wearing like this like weird ass wig too right and like fake mustache almost
0: yeah which he does in um arsenal as well yeah and honestly does in um sunny as that performance as the, the gay pimp yeah um which i don't know if that's supposed to be that character but i mean like the eddie character is not gay or anything so i don't think it's the same thing right um there's a quote from angus Shrim, as they're driving in a limousine to go to the grift where he says wealth power god they all have a distinct aroma just like death Mm. and um i wrote it down because it was such a nonsensical um nonsensical line that i was like man i wonder what i wonder how the aroma of god is similar to the aroma of wealth like what is what do you smell in there what, what do you think the aroma of God smells like? Um, probably probably incense, I think. Yeah. Like, actually, like to me, the aroma of God is... Like I don't a, know how... Such,
1: such a Catholic answer or
0: something. Like... Right. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Is, like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're in church, and they have, like, the censers, and they're um, going down the aisle, like, swinging those censers around that have the smoldering incense in them, and you get that... And it's just a very distinct, um, very distinct smell. Of like cloves and I don't know guilt or something, but okay. That that's um, that's more of an answer than I expected. So (laughs) that's just my guess. What do you
1: what do you you think? Well, what does well smell like? Got an answer for that
0: one? Um, whatever the opposite of what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) Smells clean.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is fascinating. That's a that's a
0: okay, yeah. It smells clean, okay. Like, wealth has the vague under scent of like freshly cleaned laundry, but mixed with like wine, maybe or something. I don't know, I don't know where we interesting. Oh, okay.
1: yeah.
0: Um, it's just power, I guess. I guess they're talking about like actual like physical power over something else. So I don't know what that's. I about. think I
1: just developed like a new like word test or something like that. It's like just asking people like what um what they think concepts smell like.
0: <laughs> Which is why it's such a funny quote in the right because yeah. you're like, what the fuck? like how do you know what any of that stuff smells like? Like, oh right, God, I smelled him the other day. Um. So yeah, so it's um, it's a movie that's obviously influenced by like a lot of other things, but does none of them right? maybe? Yeah. Do, do you remember um,
1: when you saw this back in the 90s, do you remember liking it to some degree? No, I had never seen it. You're, oh. you had seen it. Oh, I thought you had seen it too. Okay.
0: No, I didn't even know it existed. This is my first time watching this movie ever. Gotcha. Yeah, because... Remember you and I were talking about it, and I was talking uh-huh. about Arsenal, and I said apparently there's like some movie in the 90s called Deadfall that Oh, and you were like, Oh yeah, Deadfall. Yeah. I remember liking it
1: when I was like 13 or whatever. Like, but
0: if you had never seen the Grifters before, I can kinda of I had that.
1: not at that point. Like at that point,
0: I had not. I mean, that's the craziest thing, is it's like it's not even subtle. It's it's very much like you know what it's ripping off every single time it does it yeah because it's not ever even trying to like hide um anything that it's ripping off yeah. so i think i missed out
1: on some certain r-rated stuff like around still like 89 90 like 91 i i saw those some of those things later because my mother still had like this like weird bug up her ass about sexuality and stuff like that, nudity at times, like um, because I remember specifically like they wouldn't let me watch Roadhouse um mm. until they came on fucking HBO like six months later and like I just watched it then. Like um but it's like she had this like weird thing about so if anything had like whiffs of uh uh like sex in it she still like was kind of weird around that point. Um so I missed like so, stuff like the grifters and but-
0: this has like a very extended sex scene with him and um the Turk's woman.
1: Sure. Well, this is 93 by this point, so like this point like uh, that that shit was long gone. Um Trigger. Yeah, Sarah Trigger. You want to know about Sarah Trigger real quick? Uh, I lu- I looked her up. She's interesting.
0: Yeah, tell me about her.
1: All right, so she was married to John Cryer for 4 years. Have a kid has a kid with him. Um they split, really bad custody battle. In early 2010, John was attacked while shooting two-and-a-half men. As a result, he filed a case against Trigger. According to John, she had hired a hitman to kill him. Surprisingly enough, the hitman was Sarah's ex-boyfriend, Eddie Sanchez. Moreover, Eddie confessed to police upon interrogation that the actress had a deed to ask him to kill John and her then-husband, David. However, Sarah denied the, all of these allegations, and since there was no proof of any statement, the actress was found not guilty. John was so terrified of the attack, he increased the security thereafter. He also stopped shooting movies and series in front of any open um, audiences. Um, the year before that, she apparently was charged with felony child abuse um, that her current husband, David, had called the police when he suspects that Sarah tried to choke their two-year-old son. Um, The police found marks that looked somewhat similar to rope and cord marks around the kid's neck. Um, The actress was arrested in her Hermosa Beach, California home around 11 p.m. She strongly insisted it was just an accident, (laughs) like Jack Torrance. Um, But uh, yeah, but then there was a custody battle in 2013 for the first kid um, with Cryer um, and uh I guess she like increased like how much money she got or some shit like that. Um eighty eight
0: thousand dollars a month. Damn.
1: Okay. Um yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit about Sarah Trigger.
0: Um because she's a very consistent actress up until 99.
1: And I think that's when she marries Cryer, I think.
0: She does Turks in 99, which lasts for 13 episodes. And then between and then all in 99, she does three appearances on television and then has a one episode appearance in 2005 on css my csi miami and nothing else i mean it's like seriously like a super crazy just like decrease in
1: yeah so she she marries him in january 2000 is when she marries Cryer. oh there you go yeah and then they're married for four years they get separated in 2004 and divorced in 05. Yep, that's it. man. That's she funny. marries John Cryer and John Cryer probably put the fucking fucking threw down the gauntlet. It's like you're not working.
0: <laughs> John Cryer. Oh, she was um that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I saw I looked at her. Like she she was in uh Bill and Ted's uh uh bogus journey
0: and things doing Denver right when you're dead and yeah, she was one of the original. Um, she was a princess in *Bogus Journey*. Mm. Joanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I was I was sitting here looking at Sarah Trigger. Um,
0: so uh, so a Yeah. Um,
1: Did you look this up on Rotten Tomatoes by any chance?
0: No, uh, I I buy my own Rotten Tomatoes in my heart. Zero, I can imagine
1: zero percent from critics, twenty
0: five percent from audiences. That's a very surprising audience score, honestly. Because <laughs> I want to meet, I want to meet those twenty five percent that enjoyed this movie. Um, although I'm I'm not gonna lie, like it's it's fun to watch and it makes you laugh like pretty consistently at its absurdity. But it is in no way, shape, or form like a well-filmed or executed movie at all it's it's really bad so the the
1: the two and a half and three star reviews um are basically like you're saying liking it because here's a four-star review this is a terrible terrible film and a terrible script um and much of it was simply a bore to sit through, but Cage is in this film, and while the script may suit a uh, uh, terrible movie terrible movie, but like he's funny and blah blah um, yeah, so it's it's basically all the people that really like it or
0: like it ironically. I would say that I like it ironically as well. I mean it's just funny, yeah um but very it, it, it's exactly right like there's long periods of this movie where nothing is happening um there's a weird subplot where um a woman who works at the open air flea market or farmers market or whatever that sells coffee and donuts is in love with um Michael Bean for no reason like as soon as she sees him she's in love with him and she's trying to give him free coffee and donuts and he's just like um yeah maybe some other time and then this like heavy set dude that works for Uncle Lou is like hey Joe you know she's in love with you but um i'm kind of in love with her so maybe could you back off a little and like and he's like yeah i don't want anything to do with her and he's like guy cool because i think i'm gonna ask her on a date and like that's a scene and there's no reason for that scene to exist right and then that's not mentioned again nor does anyone care like afterwards yeah and then i think that dude gets killed so maybe you're supposed to feel bad for him i don't know but who cares um, so yeah so all right so so what's the what's the what's the scores here hmm. the movie's a two uh-huh. um, it's definitely one of the worst films that i've had to watch um, mm-hmm. in the past several years of my life and even on par with some of the worst that i've watched from cage um, if it's an ironic score, his performance is like an eight out of ten because it's um it's like a train wreck, maybe, or yeah, I think that's even possibly a little too um generous. Um I don't know, it's 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 really rough, but it's funny and in in inimitable, I would say. Um and I don't know like where he's pulling inspiration from. Like that would be something interesting to see like an interview of like, where did you find the, where did you find the heart of this character? Like what, what were you pulling from right, where you were inspired to perform this role like this, because what you're doing makes absolutely no sense. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's it.
1: That's um I I can't I can't quickly find the answer of that, but um I'd have to go probably on the YouTube.
0: But um I will say this for it. This movie, um, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch this movie for free by agreeing to a um five-day trial of some stupid channel that's off of Prime, um, which I've already canceled my subscription to. Um, so you can watch it for free. Uh and it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like if you enjoy like movies that are only watchable because they're so bad like it's not necessarily not worth your time um yeah but boy is it bad
1: i always forget that talia shire is related to that family
0: Mm -hmm. that's why she's in all the godfather movies yeah right yeah how she got the role in rocky i mean there's um a lot about talia shire Uh, not, not that talia shire is like a bad actress or anything
1: Oh right, yeah. like far
0: from it. But yeah. I mean, there's definitely like that relation definitely pays off for. Yeah. Um. God, that's a fucking Italian goddamn
1: family. Fucking Sophia Roman Giancarlo, Antone, Francis Ford, Italia <laughs> Carmine. <laughs> And then you got fucking
0: good old good old Nick um, I wonder what um, I wonder what family reunions are like for them yeah that's interesting I mean, I mean legitimately this movie has no reason to be bad it's got some really good like actors in it I mean yeah yeah if if you take out the three principles in um being uh trigger and cage um who all could be argued are various degrees well i don't know about sarah trigger but being a cage various degrees sometimes of bad to worse um coburn's a fantastic actor peter fond is a good actor charlie sheen's a competent actor talia shire is a competent actor michael constantine is a decent actor um then You've got like small people like Mickey Dolans, who at least knows how to act. Um sure. I don't you know. like, did you like
1: the monkeys as a kid? Did you watch the monkeys? Oh yeah, yeah. I love yeah. the
0: monkeys. Yeah. I actually have a weird that's one that's
1: one of those random songs. I don't think we've ever talked about this, like ever. Like the, the monkeys theme song is is things is a song that like randomly gets stuck in my head at like just like different times.
0: Yeah, same here, I think. I mean, I look. I'll, I'll be honest. I, for being a crass commercial cash in to try and ape the success of the Beatles, um, yeah. I think I think a lot of the Monkey songs are just as catchy and um, musically interesting as some of the Beatles catalog, like "Last, Last Train to Clarksville" and "Daydream Believer" and. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't think of any other, but I mean, those two songs, at least, I think, are probably, like, considered classics. Listen
1: listen to this shit real quick. So, I I thought I was gonna, I looked up Mark Coppola, which is one of their brothers, and he's a um, DJ primarily, but. So he's actually, I was going to say like, oh shit, like we still got like a Mark Coppola like appearance in a movie with the Cotton Club at some point. But actually Mark has had small roles in Vampire's Kiss, this movie, Deadfall, which I didn't know. Um, let's see, uh, Leaving Las Vegas, Sonny, um, and Vengeance, a Love Story. So we've had um, a number of Mark Coppola appearances I just like missed out on um it was the uh mark is the uh other brother besides chris and
0: uh here of nick cage so you and i vaguely talked about this i think a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. okay so a few maybe like two months ago on a saturday zoom call that we do amongst our friends um okay friend of the podcast to ryan wellmaker and i both watched the terminator mm. simultaneously on youtube okay um and i remember realizing at the time that michael bean is a really bad actor yeah but then thinking like no, michael bean's a good actor he's been in so many movies mm-hmm. but i'm going through michael bean's filmography and michael yeah. bean is a really bad actor
1: yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty bad yeah i mean um, Michael
0: Bean in this movie is very similar to the way that Cage is portrayed in a lot of his movies, which is as like an irresistible sex symbol,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, everybody wants to f Michael Bean in this movie. Like everybody's in love with Joe. Um,
1: yeah, you know what? Michael? I'm going through his filmography here. Oh, uh, what's his? What's his best movie? Probably. Right, uh, no, sorry. What's his best role?
0: Probably Aliens. Aliens. Yeah, Hicks. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's probably right. I, I, I think like what suits him best is that role he played as the sheriff in um, Planet Terror.
0: See, my other, my second answer would be um, Johnny Ringo in uh, Tombstone. Mm. Like I, 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 I think he missed his calling as a villain because I think that that's probably. I, I just love aliens and. I mean, Corporal Hicks is like—I don't know—somebody from my childhood that like I would, I would always have like a GI Joe that was like Hicks, basically. Um, when I was playing GI Joe. But oh, I think that sh- Johnny. Sorry. Never no. Mind. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That was almost me reacting.
1: Go ahead. Like to myself. I was gonna
0: say I—I I think Johnny Ringo is probably my favorite role of his, and I think that's <laughs> you know, in terms of like effective portrayal of a character like ringo is a scumbag and an asshole and you hate ringo the entire time during tombstone and i think that's because bean actually like leans into the role and you know
1: yeah i i I mean i I hadn't watched tombstone since it came out until we did that podcast which was i I want to say it's like episode like 19 like top five modern westerns or something um unfortunately with like kind of poor audio on it because i was still learning and fuck something up um even at that point but um you've always been much higher on tombstone than i have um but like I, I i enjoyed watching tombstone again um and i liked it better now than i did then but yeah you're really high on tombstone where i i'm not quite quite as high as you are so i don't even i already forgot that michael bean
0: was in it even though i watched it three years ago i mean i think the Tombstone is. I think the Tombstone is an okay movie that is elevated by amazing performances into something better than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Because yeah. Kilmer is one of his best roles in Tombstone. Oh,
1: yeah. Likes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Hustle is fucking fantastic in Tombstone. Yeah. Um, all the supporting characters in sure. it are just amazing. Like, like I'm saying, like Michael Bean, you know, playing a villain, fantastic in this role, you know, in yeah like honestly like a really iconic you know Johnny Ringo is a pretty iconic character in terms of yeah (laughs) like 90s movies villains um and it, it, it looks really nice and even though I think it's kind of it's filmed more in like an anthology style than it is as an actual um like flowing narrative because of the way that like they jump between things in Tombstone a lot um I still think it's like a eminently watchable movie, and it's something where anytime, I s- I don't seek it out all the time. But if it's there and I can watch it, like I will always watch it and enjoy it. So, I don't right. Know. Um, also, I think like westerns a little more than you do.
1: So yeah, I I'm a th- little yeah. more pre- predisposed.
0: Yeah. Just sit there and watch. Yeah, and it's weird how much I enjoy westerns as a genre because I don't really think of it that much, but. I mean, after horror, like horror, thriller, suspense, whatever, if you want to roll all of them into one genre, um, Westerns might be my second favorite genre of film, honestly.
1: yeah, It it depends on the type of Western it is for me. Like, I really like Westerns a lot if it's the right type type of Western, and I um, don't even know how to describe that Western.
0: Western and, and fantasy are probably 2A and 2B for me. Yeah. Because I'll watch like a sword and sorcery movie. What do you whenever. think? Of,
1: what do you think of Jonah Hex?
0: I like Jonah Hex. T.
1: Have... <laughs> yeah. I was expecting that answer.
0: Okay. I don't. I don't. Um, there's so there's yeah. Jonah Hex and there's um actually a a better example of that oh, but is Wild, Wild West. You, know, you like that? That's a terrible movie. Um, there a better example of Solomon Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's Hugh Jackman.
1: No, nah, that's uh the nah, Solomon Cain is uh what's his name that played um oh um, Julius Caesar, right? Like right, right. Um uh, fuck is that guy's name?
0: God damn it. Fuckin'. uh James James Purefoy. Yes, that's him, yeah. Um yeah, look, good the it. Jonah the, the Jonah Hex movie is not a good movie also
1: in that movie as well
0: I really enjoy um, the comic series like I was always a big fan of Joan X so there's a little bit of um, grace I think that I give that movie just because of that
1: oh that's Robert E. Howard did that of course you like it.
0: Uh, oh yeah, yeah you know uh, but Solomon Kane, I think is actually like a legitimately fun movie hmm. and just got overshadowed by the fact that it was a box office dud and was really released in the wrong time it's the same thing with um like the Edgar Rice Burroughs thing, um, John Carter of Mars, when they put that out. John Carter of Mars is not a bad movie. It just was released in exactly the wrong time to be successful. Like it was almost like tone deaf as to like no one wants this. Why are you like making this now? So Right. And I feel like um the Solomon Kane movie was the same way because the Solomon Kane movie is really decent adaptation of the Howard source material. That's what you're saying.
1: Okay, so Solomon Kane is one of the ones you Oh, know, it's on Tubi right now. Okay. Um Tubi and Pluto TV. Uh, Pluto TV has just so you know, like uh, as a as pro tip, shorter commercials than Tubi does. Um so if you're like watching shit for free with commercials, um, you want to hit up pluto tv probably rather than 2 pluto tv also like is a really good app have you used pluto tv yet uh-uh. it is super clear like it, it's it's a really like like good app for free like um I, I'm, I'm shocked and it has like live tv on it too like if you want to pretend it's you know 1997 and like you know you're sitting there like scrolling through shit um
0: like 000, 000 party over out of time would you say it is Pluto?
1: Pluto TV, yeah. Um, so yeah, Michael Bean's in the seventh sign, which I did not. Um, did I watch this? No, I, I watched. No, 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 no. no. I, I watched when I was a kid, a bunch of times because uh, it was always on fucking um, HBO. But um, no, I just watched the first Power um, oh, la- right. last well, year. I was telling you about how bad it is. Same movie, I think. Same like, movie, well, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but Michael Bean's in the seventh sign. I did not watch the seventh sign. I actually like shoot like the seventh sign when it was recommended to me. Um, but um, but the other thing that he oh what was the other thing that I saw that he's in that I, oh yes Jade you know what we need to do it some someday is do a watch along with Jade. I Why think is, that I, I think it would just be fun. Is just drinking uh, <laughs> the watch Jade. Or honestly, any um any of that fucking idiots movies um would be um probably just as fun. What else is there? There's um what uh basic instinct and uh showgirls. Does he have anything other than that?
0: Joel Schumacher?
1: No. What, uh, uh, what's his name? No, it's Joe. I don't know. I, I'm looking at it now and I don't even really know how to pronounce it. it. S, or whatever. Oh, right, Esther Haas. yeah. Um, that guy. Oh, hey. he wrote he wrote Burn Hollywood Burn? I should have known that. So, real quick, um, Give me a give me give me a score, like a cage score, but like um for a movie. But how do you the Many Saints in New Uh
0: what, what's your score on that movie? I think it's a four out of ten. Hmm. Okay. I think that it's I think if it was a pilot for a series, I might score it higher. But as a self-contained um Entity unto itself, like it's super disappointing. Yes,
1: I I think I scored even a little lower than you, just because I was so disappointed by it. Yeah, it's a mess.
0: I okay, so here's why I think it's a four. Mm -hmm. I think it has several on-point performances. Oh yeah. Um, Score real quick. Do
1: this real quick for me as an exercise before you continue on here. Score the score the acting in this out of ten.
0: It's a seven out of ten.
1: Yeah, and score the direction in this,
0: Mm, like a two out of ten.
1: Interesting. Okay, and then the writing out of this. Yeah.
0: Okay. So maybe the direction is like a five out of ten. Uh huh. And the writing is like a one out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: yeah. 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 Right.
0: Go ahead. Talking about this last night, like this is my thing with it is that I really find it to be it's fan service. And it's really bad fan service. And so the problem with that movie is that um, Chase originally wrote it, I think, I was telling you this last night, I read an article where he originally wrote a movie, a script in like the 70s or 80s when he was fresh out of college, Mm -hmm. where it was about a young kid growing up in Newark who joins the army to kind of escape like where he's from. Yeah, And his first assignment in the army is to help the National Guard quell the race riots of the 60s, which I, you know, I mean, I have no interest in that movie. But I understand, like, him growing up, like, through that time, like, that's why he's interested in that movie. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, but then what he did was because he can never get anyone to make that movie. He basically sat down with the dude that directed this movie, the guy that had directed a bunch of Sopranos episodes, and was like, hey, let's make this Sopranos movie but set against this backdrop with basically my script for this. Yeah. So you've got all these things in it that don't pay off and don't make any sense, especially because they don't pay off in what you've already seen in The Sopranos, with the only thing being, and you pointed this out when we were talking last night, is the idea of what a fucking bastard uncle jr has been his entire life yeah because he's the man that murdered spoilers coming up (laughs) just so you know spoilers because of a murder that he committed yeah right yeah yeah. okay like in in his past that has like far-reaching yes ramifications throughout the entirety of the sopranos basically
1: yeah which is really difficult to watch as i'm uh, because i've mentioned it before that we're both re-watching i think now but um on the podcast but it's like Watching season six and how, like, um, because I don't know if you remember in season six that Junior in his dementia kind of like shoots Tony. Do you remember this? Oh, no, you didn't see season six ever, right? I've never
0: seen. Season oh, shit. Six.
1: I'm sorry. I, I forgot completely that you hadn't seen that. I thought it was, yeah. Fuck. Sorry. Um, but, um, but yeah, to watch like Tony, like, you know, and, like how he like kind of like, treats Junior in those like fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons it's fucking terrible like um like you know with giving that backstory now um so yeah that's that's really effective
0: I think but but okay so here's some other of my issues like one of the more effective scenes in season one of the Sopranos is Tony when he's in therapy remembering Livia pulling a um like a carving fork on him mm-hmm. And basically threatening to put out his eyes with a carving fork because something some minor chore that he forgot to do um at the house, you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh-huh, yeah. and it's like Livia's portrayed as crazy here, but justifiably crazy, I think because she's.
1: Mm, I don't know about that, but yeah, okay.
0: I don't know. I mean, I like every everything that they show with her reaction to how poorly she's being treated by the men in her life, basically. Yeah, I, sure, sure. So sure. it's. I it's mean, there's there, more- there's no black
1: and white at, at all in that show to me, but yeah, sure. So right.
0: Whereas, Livia, in a lot of ways, in the series of The Sopranos, is portrayed to be a completely manipulative. Um like basically like the person that's manipulating everything to her end by allowing the men in her life to believe that they're the ones in charge of the situation when it's really her like she's always like the one that's causing junior to do whatever like things in the show through the first two seasons um underhand like every situation she's underhandedly manipulating and i think that it's showing too much It's giving her too much leeway that you can say that it's because of how she's treated that she behaves that way, which I think is an unfair out for the person that's really, like, maybe the best villain of the first two seasons of that show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would also just be trying to explain that there are other factors other than her own mental illness that lead to all that, you know? I mean, like, the fact that she doesn't have... that she she learns through life to use her almost mental, her borderline personality to control people um, more effectively, like, through time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 there's a lot of interesting things they could do. The problem with me is, like, and the reason I think you say that is because it's, like, it's just these, like, few scenes and it's, like, not fleshed out. Like, it's, it's, if you would have been, if you would have done a 10 I think I said I I, I've said before 10 hours like when we talked about just a couple times briefly like if they would have did a 10-hour miniseries and that's what this would have been rather than just like a two-hour movie like I think you could have fleshed that kind of stuff out and had more nuance but you can't have any kind of nuance like when you're just jumping through what like six years I think it's
0: it is almost
1: like five years
0: 67 to 72 I think is okay yeah
1: so like how the fuck can you have nuance jumping through five years and two hours and trying to fit all these characters in plus all the references to these like you know characters from the Sopranos when they're young and like 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 so there's like it's just it's too much like and like you can't even feel for the main character like all the interesting stuff to me was like packed into this idea of the Of the Dicky Maldisanti character and the uncle that's in prison and him going to, like, him, but he's, like, kind of, like, a somewhat reformed Buddhist slash, like, beatnik, like, almost. Now that he's been in prison for 25 years and, like, he's trying to, like, give him advice and, like, you know, like, talk to him about life and none of that, like, lands home because it's all like try to be packed in the two hour time period. And I think there's stuff with the black gangs is extremely interesting as a backdrop, but again, it's all just like forced and. Right.
0: Well, it doesn't make any sense in the context of telling a story about the Demea crime family uh in the beginning. And it also doesn't make any sense because when does that ever come up really during the Sopranos?
1: Yeah, it's like a it's a one off reference in like I think in the third season or something like that. Like if you haven't seen it yet, then I, I it must be coming up soon. The, the third or fourth season, there's like I think like two lines of dialogue that it references it.
0: There was actually one line of dialogue in season two, episode ten that I thought might have been, and I can't for the life of me remember what that was. There's now.
1: some reference to Dicky Maltesante, and I think they mentioned like the war in the seventies, like at some point, like and that's it, like. Um, but yeah. And I remember back in the day, like, God, what was that? Like zap to it. Like, um, like the websites, like zap to it right. and stuff like that. I remember like people like, because I would read like the Sopranos wrap ups and stuff like that, like on different websites. And I remember people like sitting there and like referencing that line and like message boards and stuff, referencing like that line is like, Oh, it'd be really cool to see like that stuff. And um I think that kind of like stuck in like that kind of feedback probably like stuck in Chase's head and you know it's like because like you said, he always had this like backdrop in mind and then like those kind of things, like I think it's like it is kind of fan service-y, like you know, just the premise of it, I think. But uh yeah, it's really disappointing. I, I was looking forward to it. I am enjoying watching the Sopranos again though for the first time since me too. It came out, but uh it's really different to watch it in my twenties versus my forties. Um agreed. But all right, so um we're done the nineties now, Frank.
0: And well. Lucky us. So lucky we have this
1: movie. we're in this like weird position now with um five episodes left.
0: It's it's three movies in the eighties and then the one from what the fuck ever uh um, voice acting and then Cap, Captain Crowley's Mandolin. Right.
1: So we got five episodes left. So we are now going to early cage towards the end of this podcast for three episodes. Um and then Dylan middling cage post Oscar um art house in between is Like action, big budget type stuff, like in there, like, um, and then his voice acting. So, So, um,
0: Captain Corelli's Mandolin is is a crass attempt to cash in on the the World War II movies of like the late 90s, early 2000s. Sure, it's still an art movie though, right? I mean, like, Eh, I wouldn't call it an art movie. No, I'd call it just like, um,
1: how the fuck do you have a name like Captain Corelli's Mandolin and then like it's not be? an art movie
0: it's it's really just like a war movie slash romance slash historical drama okay you'll see we'll talk about it <laughs> in five weeks right
1: five episodes left frank that's it <sighs> that's
0: unless it. um the unbearable weight of massive talent somehow comes out
1: <laughs> right that's that's not happening where this 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 uh, this fucking podcast is getting wrapped up in november um and, and and that's it that's all there is to it and we'll do special episodes eventually like when the movies come out but
0: cool
1: all right thank you for listening everybody
0: five yep, episodes left
1: deuces